Tonight, episode 24, we discuss disturbing encounters with a freakish humanoid monster in the woods in the middle of nowhere, aka New Jersey, that might make you poop your pants on the spot. True story. It's Wednesday at 9 p.m. <laughs> We're getting raunchy, Frank. You said poop. I know, I know. Well, thank you for the segue, Aaron. To our dedicated, ginormous fan base out there, I'd like to announce that we are shifting gears a little bit. We've taken a little break. We are refocusing on what makes this podcast interesting and fun for us. Effectively, that means we're going to be a little less tame in the stories we tell. For example, I personally liked telling the research historical stories. I'm realizing now I don't have time for that. And also, it's not very interesting to listen to or to present to you guys. So instead, forget all of that. I've got a crazy story to tell today. I think we'll also aim for slightly shorter episodes, a little more fast-paced, wild. Nick's giving me a look because I know his episodes are actually always going to be long, which is great. But yeah, so before we get right into the story, let's do shout-outs. As always, I'd like to shout-out my girlfriend, Sarah, and I'd like to shout-out Phil from Toastmasters, who might listen to this, though I told him, please don't. <laughs> How about you well, guys? Phil, hopefully you do listen. And if you are right now, hi. All right. I guess I'll shout out my fiance, Fallon. I don't know if she's going to listen to this episode. She recently listened to the Halloween and Christmas episode. So I'm sure one day in the rest of her life, she will. Yeah, maybe. There's time. And shout out to my girlfriend, Maddie, and my mother, who are very staunch supporters and are most loyal. David Hoy. Yes. We hope you're still listening. If not, may you rest in peace, but keep the RPI uh, spirit, you know, camaraderie. Yes. Our alma mater, our shared alma mater. Thank you to all those supporters. uh, Keep the lights on. I think you have another... You have another shout out, right? To uh, Troy from from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some things haven't changed here, people. Some things haven't changed. We've taken like five minutes before even starting this story. <laughs> okay, great. Well, as I was telling both of you earlier before recording, I felt my sanity decrease as I researched this. Just like in the game Phasmophobia, <laughs> where you can like actually see it craft out. Oh, so like, did you ex- did you like encounter ghosts yeah, along the way? Pills? I will say, while I was recording this, it's not even that scary. I had my headphones on. I was watching a video on it. Sarah would come in, just totally nonchalantly. It freaked me out four times in a row. I jumped out of my seat. <laughs> she didn't even do anything. She just like walked in, and I freaked out. Um, but yes, you can I was, be skittish sometimes. Yes, I was low sanity for the duration of this. Like I said, tonight we're going to throw away that well researched historical narrative angle and go balls to the walls. Walls? Is it singular? Well, whatever. I don't know. This story is 100% true, and I believe in it entirely. <laughs> I'm it, sure it is. Is this. Are you being sarcastic or no. truthful? You're genuine, why, rather. Why would I lie? Why would I say this is 100% true and I believe entirely in lie? No, this is true. This happened. So in case you guys didn't know... Go ahead, Nick. Yeah. Capital T truth is what you're saying. This is the capital T truth. Okay, I just want to be clear. I'd like to discuss with you guys a very creepy and bizarre cryptid encounter in New Jersey. We might have mentioned it on the show before in passing, but we've never told the story. Aaron knows this story Ooh. a little bit, right? Oh, I thought you were going to... The story was about me, but... <laughs> <laughs> Could you a creepy, bizarre cryptid encounter in uh, wherever you live. <laughs> well, right now, I'm not a New Jersey resident. That's so. true. That's true. Sad. I had to move to this state. Yeah, after the incident. So, in case you didn't know, for the folks at home... Cryptids are animals that cryptozoologists believe may exist somewhere in the wild, but whose present existence is disputed or unsubstantiated by science. Now, 
if you read the rest of the Wikipedia article, it goes on to say that it's a field of pseudoscience. That is false. This is capital T truth as we have established. So don't trust people. Don't trust the naysayers. So quick pause. Did we really go through like 24 episodes and not even define what a cryptid is? I don't think we ever have. We haven't really done too many cryptid episodes, to be fair. I think we've only done know, a handful. A few Bigfoots. We did a few big feet, you know, please. Jersey Devil. Well, Bigfoot's just a cow in a window. That's true. true. On a ladder. On a ladder. Yeah. So that doesn't count. I, I mean, yeah. That one's pretty, pretty debunked. The Kinderhook creature, though, that counts. I think of him every time I pass through Kinderhook. I just think about him. <laughs> I just think. <laughs> So, of course, we are talking about the New Jersey Mantis Man. Oh. Mantis Wait. Men? I don't is know. Is it like, oh, is it like the giant mantis from the Goosebumps movie? I, Slash books? Probably, yes. I have never read or seen that, but you can tell me whether it is. I'm going to go into the two encounters, the two most famous encounters with the creature or creatures. We don't know. And then if we have time, we'll get into some insane Reddit personal encounters that oh gosh. are kind of sad my, that people my kinda really get into it. stories. So did we devolve into reading Reddit threads? Yes, guys? but only at the end, only at the end. <laughs> okay, okay. Now I want to say my sources for this come from um, a write-up of the encounter, or at least the first encounter, by the person himself on a website called phantomsandmonsters.com where this blog author seems to receive accounts and kind of document them on his website. It's one of those classic old school websites, kind of like Weird New Jersey, where it's really ugly, old, but the content is fantastic. Someone really cares. Some, some guy that is obsessed with this cares. Like James Donahue. Like James Donahue, indeed. There was also an old TV show called Monsters and Mysteries in America, which has been running at least for at least since like 2015. They had a whole episode where they covered this story and they had the blog author and the actual guy who encountered it tell his story. It's one of those. Oh, really, that's pretty cool. Yeah, but it's one of those really crappy like TV shows. You know, it's an ad every two minutes. They're doing a really terrible reenactment with actors. Oh, but yeah, it's really yeah, yeah. fun, really enjoyable. I did pay the two dollars on YouTube to watch the episode, so I have I it linked. Two dollars. I did pay two dollars. Standard, standard definition, not high definition. Standard mantis man well, tax. Yes. No wonder the quality was so bad. You didn't pay for the high def version. True. Oh, nice. nice. Special effects and everything. Oh, dude, the special effects from 2015. They must have had fifteen dollars for the budget. I think they used Blender to make the mantis man creature. Anyway. Less than an hour west of New York City is a remote part of Jersey supposedly called the Forgotten County, according to that TV series, Monsters and Mysteries in America. Now, I couldn't tell what they meant by the Forgotten County. Yeah, which one? <laughs> this does not come up when I look that up. Uh, the river that we're going to talk about crosses a handful of different counties. Morris County, Warren County, Hunterdon County. Let's go. Aaron. Do yeah. you, have you heard of any of those counties being called the Forgotten County? Um, no. Exactly. So I think that I'm pretty sure they made that up. So <laughs> regardless, <laughs> there's a river there, the Musconetcong River. Yep. You're familiar with it? Yep. Have you gone there? Yeah. You've gone, you've gone to the Musconetcong oh River? Another case of boots so. on the ground. Wow. Would you say that it's kind of um, middle of nowhere-ish, not, not super heavily populated area? I would probably say so. It's, it's been a minute since I've been there. But wow, that's so cool. I would say so. Well, supposedly it's kind of middle of nowhere. Uh, perfect breeding ground, for, breeding ground for stories such as this one, if you will. Now, our hero of the first story is Paul Jacks, an avid fisherman. He often would fish along the beautiful lakes and rivers in that state and had been doing this all his life. Now, it's funny because in the episode he's featured in, he defends Jersey saying, we get a bad rap, but we have so many parks, rivers and lakes. It's actually a very beautiful state. 
It's kind of funny. It's true. Oh, certainly from what I've seen. Well, yeah, after you get out of like Hoboken and <laughs> Trent and okay. Newark. There's a few different sections of Jersey. There's the city, the beaches, and everywhere else. Where's and the everywhere else part is pretty nice. Is Snooky somewhere in the, the Pine Barrens? Like the hiding? shore. Oh, the shore. Yeah, the Pine okay. Barrens. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, picture those beautiful, picturesque riverside scenes in the spring of 2006. Paul gets an invitation from his boss to go fishing along the Musconnect Kong River. Now he knew, you know, he had heard of it as a creepy place in the middle of the, the wilderness. And he worried since the last time he'd been there, he'd remembered the brush was so thick. He said it was almost like you're in a tunnel when you're on the side of the river. It's like that close to the river and that deep around you and above you. Pretty spooky setup. However, of course, he agreed. They arrive that day and they decide to split up to fish in their separate areas. He decides to go across the river and down somewhat. And his boss goes upriver. He's taking his time waiting there and he's about chest high, he claims, like in, in the water. Is that what, that would, that's what fishermen do? That seems very deep, but whatever. When he really. spots movement on the bank, it's something hideous and huge. He claims, quote, this creature had the skin of a snake. Where our abdomen is and where all our organs are, it had a very narrow core. The creature's eyes were black and set in the front, so it looked like it had binocular vision. And those eyes were totally set on him. It's a very strange is, right? de uh, depiction. What a weird description, like the abdomen and oh, yeah. weirder still, he senses an extremely strong feeling of astonishment from the creature. <laughs> like, le like the classic cryptid encounter. Oh, you can see me? Exactly. Exactly. So it's either astonishment at seeing Paul or maybe it's astonishment that he could see Paul or no, sorry that Paul could I, see him. Yeah. I think the, the latter is normally what is experienced. Like it's confused that you can see it. Yeah. Yeah. And that comes back up and he, he felt that it was just very aware that Paul could see him and it was very concerned. <laughs> the, the creature, the creature was very concerned. <laughs> it started fleeing. Why? And as it's fleeing away from him, right? He's in the river. It's on the riverbank. It's watching over, watching over its shoulder, head turned around, looking at him as it's moving away. And as he stares frozen in fear watching it, it starts to fade as it is fleeing and he is staring at this creature. It starts to fade. And after a few seconds, it is gone. While it was eyeing him down. And running away. And running away. Now, the creepy thing is. He didn't feel that it had left. He felt that it had cloaked. Oh, it just is invisible yes, now. It had like recloaked. <laughs> and he had the sense that he was really at risk. It was still there. It was just invisible. He felt it was still watching him. He says, and I quote, it was a praying mantis man. That's the only way I can describe it. A praying mantis man, not a praying mantis comma man. No, it was a praying mantis <laughs> man. <laughs> so after these two encounters, I'm going to talk a little bit about praying mantises as we discuss what the heck this creature is. But I want to pause there and ask you, <laughs> what do you guys think? So from all accounts, it is a life-size tall praying mantis humanoid creature. I'll defer to Aaron since he has been to the river and has been around the nature okay. and wildlife Jersey people there. look to, like? To be fair, the Muscanet Con River is really long. Gotcha. So like the part of the story that you're talking about is like towards the complete opposite end of the part that's like right near my house. There's a part right near your house? Well, okay. It's like 10 minutes. That's, that's close. Giant Mantis Man seems like a very odd thing to make up, especially for 
a Jersey fisherman? Like, what does he stand to gain from it? Is my angle on this ridicule? Yeah. So why would you, why would you go and make something up like that? Yeah, this is pretty bizarre. Unless he's into that, and he his name publicly, like, and his face, they were on this TV, on TV show. show. I think he yeah. wrote it in in around 2011, and then the show was 2015. I do appreciate that. You know how like a lot of regional places have cryptids, like there's the Yowie in Australia, and then we have Bigfoot, and then the Yeti, and they're all kind of like similar. This is this is different. This is a little more unique. Where have you heard of a praying mantis man? Well, like I, I like the uniqueness of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I haven't heard of encounters outside of this region, though there might be more. There are encounters of similar creatures that we'll get into at the end of this. I see Nick making well, a face. Th- that's a whole nother thing. If I think I know what you're talking we're gonna, about, we're gonna touch on that. Touch on it. Okay. Okay. But apparently the Muscanet Gong is 45 miles long. Wow. Oh, wow. I didn't realize. Aaron, do you know where Hackettstown is? Yeah, I know where Hackettstown is. Okay. Because, yeah, so that's where this is really taking place in Hackettstown. Yeah. So Hackettstown in relation to me. We'll have this location in the show notes if you want to go hunt for him yourself. And Aaron's home address and, and address. bank account. Yes. No. Last four digits and also the first digits. I'll provide some more details because he gives less details, of course, in the edited cut down TV show and the actual uh, correspondence he had with that blog author. He gave more details saying that it was humanoid, tall, six foot at least. He felt it was around, he didn't really have any reference points, but around six, six or six, seven. So yeah, very creepy. Uh, Even creepier, he gives a description of the head and it the blog post author has a picture and it's not clear whether this is what the uh, the guy Paul drew or described or whether this is the blog author's description. But Paul says, triangular head, huge slanted black eyes, just like a praying mantis. Its whole body was gangly, knobby, but you could sense it was powerful. And no, I would not say it was a big bug. It was definitely humanoid, despite the mantis or insect qualities. This is the picture, which you can look at in the show notes of what that head is described as. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I need to zoom in on this. Oh, that looks more like alien. It does look pretty alien, doesn't it? Yeah. Now this author, Paul... At the very end of the TV show, they let him go off the rails and say how he really feels. He goes, some people say that, uh, you know, these creatures are uh, fallen angels. Some people say they're aliens. I don't know. And he starts listing some insane things. It made me curious. And when I found this blog post, he takes the angle of the alien stuff right from the start. He claims that after this encounter, he immediately starts searching up praying mantis people and eventually came to search praying mantis alien and found lots of results. He also claims that he is privy to the paranormal and always has been. Shadow people, mm. ghosts, whatever. But he claims that whatever he encountered that day was not spirit. It was not incorporeal. It was definitely a biological living creature. So that adds a lot of different perspectives. It's like he's one of those you know, people. I like stories with different perspectives. So I've heard. So there's that first encounter with Paul. For the second one, because fortunately for us and for the content of this episode, there was another encounter. With Paul. Not with Paul. With a man oh. totally unrelated Supposedly to Paul, never knew him, never heard of him, but had a similar encounter in a similar area. There's a man, a New Jersey businessman named Joe Parenti. Back in the day, he had recently built a vacation home in the region. Why would you do that? No offense, Aaron. And his brother <laughs> and him would fish along the Muscanet Kong River 
and had been doing so for 15 years and never experienced anything strange. Until one day, when a little brotherly reunion turned into a river monster disaster. <laughs> Yo, river monster? That's what they should, they, they should have said in the TV show. They didn't, but if they're still going, they can hire me. So, similar to Paul's encounter, Joe and his brother, two fishermen, split up. Joe decided to go a bit upstream, and he threw his line out in the water. Immediately, he felt something was off. Something was terribly wrong. He realized he was living in New Jersey. Oh, wait, shoot, that's not right. <laughs> he realized he wasn't catching anything. <laughs> he heard a sort of humming and started feeling tingling sensations all across his body. Then he catches from the corner of his eye a seven-foot-tall creature with brown and black scales feeding on some kind of prey. He had interrupted its meal. <laughs> I'm just imagining really like crappy footage like the camera's like oh, it's so good really shaking so much it's blurry it's like kind of black and white and you just see this giant creature and it looks towards him and then the he's running with the camera that's like kind of like shaking everywhere it was humanoid looking down at him but with its head at a slight tilt monstrous mouth wriggling he was petrified and frozen, totally, completely horrified. To quote him, he said, to see those mandibles moving up and down. And it was the eyes. His dark eyes were just so intense. I believe it could kill me. So again, a oh, feeling yeah, it's of... eating something right now. Oh yeah, there's that. It's, it's straight up eating its and prey. And it's seven foot tall. Seven foot tall. But also, again, the sense Rats of like... on its back. Power. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like just power and intensity and danger emanating from it. Now, this time, this creature looked like it had wings. And as it stared oh. down at him, it flexed out its wings, almost like it was showing off how like strong it was or, or how wide it could get. It was in a bodybuilding competition. Honestly, yeah, he was doing a, he was literally flexing at, uh, at Joe well, here. A lot of times creatures will try and appear larger than they actually are. Like yes, yes. They try and scare away a, a threat. So maybe he was threatened by, yes. by the fisherman. Yes, hold that thought. Okay. He also got this bizarre sense that the creature was sucking information right out of him. As in so reading what? his mind. Oh. As in he's staring at this creature, he's terrified, and this creature... And it's awe-encompassing gaze is reading his mind and like overpowering his brain or whatever. Anyway, finally, yes, right. Finally, he felt that the mantis man released its hold on his consciousness. Then it gets a little crazy. A deep fog rolls in out of nowhere, totally obscuring the creature. That's on the riverbank. Again, he's also in the river when this is taking place. And just as quickly as this fog rolls in, it rolls away. The mist dissipates and the creature is gone. He was Classic. literally shaking, crying, and pissing. He was, would we hit in the gwin? But I'm not kidding. He directly says, he looks at the camera in the, in the, the TV clip and he goes, I lost control of my bodily functions. Oh, yeah. He shat himself in the Musconetcong River. That is flowing <laughs> downstream to Aaron's house. That explains Damn. why the water tasted a little weird at Aaron's house that one time. What? <laughs> when did the water taste weird? That one time. He's calling, so he's calling for his brother now. He's like in the river. He just pooped himself. He's terrified. He, he just had his brain overpowered by the mantis man. <laughs> his brother finds him like blubbering like an idiot with his pants totally shat trying to explain the creature encounter he just had <laughs> and 
and he's blubbering saying, it's gonna, it's gonna come back, it's gonna get back. He also had the sense that it wasn't gone. It was still around. It was, it had its eyes set on him. They got the hell out of there. And so those are the encounters with the mantis monster. Giant, scaly, psychic. That is a quote from the show. Nice. (laughs) So before we discuss the theories for what this is, yeah, let's let's reflect on that that second encounter. (laughs) So what if the fog wasn't real? What if the the mantis overpowering no, he was overpowering his mind, making him see the fog and lose sight of that's it. That's an interest. Well, that's interesting. But why would it do that? If in the first encounter, it just like fades away, just straight up. Oh, you're looking at me. I'm just going to fade away. That's very interesting. I guess it could do that, right? I don't know. I guess it could do whatever it wants. I guess it could. I mean, if it could cloak and uncloak, it could read people's minds. It has some control over their, their psyche, right? It probably had to sound like it wasn't too similar to the other incidents, so that it leaves a lot of unanswered questions. You think it 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 was going in with that? It was like, oh, so you're saying it was a uh, intentional encounter? It wasn't a accident? It sounds like it. No, I I mean it was probably an accident. But my thought is, okay, let's say Frank, you were caught by the cops for doing a crime. And you run Why, away. I would never. Are you not gonna? Are Are you not gonna alter your appearance to like, you know, not get caught again? Like, like they're looking for Frank Matranga, lanky, glasses, <laughs> no facial hair. <laughs> so what are you gonna do? You're gonna grow a beard, take off your glasses, and bulk up, <laughs> and grow wings, and grow wings, grow wings, and fly away. That's a good point. And sprout fog. So, like, if you were on the run, so to speak, wouldn't you change how you behave and how you are perceived? That's fair. Do you think that these are the same exact creature in these two encounters? Because this one seemed to have wings. Maybe they just weren't being displayed Maybe. in the first encounter. Who yeah, knows? I mean, could be that they weren't displayed like it was caught off guard. But it definitely seemed to I be off guard in the first one. Second one does seem more. I know you could see me. I want you to see me. Look at my wings. Now, does Joe have? Does he say that he's like sensitive and privy to supernatural? Not as encounters? far as I can tell. Okay. He did. I'm not going He didn't come across as the most believable guy in the tv show but at the same time he went on national tv and he and he said i lost control of my bowels after seeing this mantis yeah. man that takes some uh gongas gongas thank you <laughs> okay counter theory maybe he just you know accidentally shit himself <laughs> And then has to come up with a crazy story (laughs) to cover up. He's in too deep. That's actually like, is that kind of believable when you think about it? Like, Like, I heard about this mantis man. Yeah, his brother would never stop giving him crap. Pun intended. Yeah, but why would you go on national television? He's to say that like the the only people that would know would be you and your brother. (laughs) He's so concerned (laughs) that people will know. People will think he pooped himself for no reason. He has to get ahead of it. (laughs) Get on TV. If that's the case, I really don't believe any of it. He's just deranged. Joe Parenti, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Joe Parenti, please. Let us know, though. Please let us know. We need to know. Are you a paranormal guy? Have you seen ghosts before, just like Paul? Because I would... I feel like that fact Explain in. even less. It would, it would open up more questions, so it would not answer Did anything. Did you have too much Taco Bell for breakfast? <laughs> for breakfast. They, they didn't mention where they came from, so that could be. But that's actually a pretty plausible angle here. But I will say, after reading these encounters, I decided to look into praying mantises. So I realized I didn't really know anything about them. And what I learned might shock you. Number four. Top 10 reasons why 
praying mantises <laughs> commits sexual cannibalism. No. Huh? You didn't know that? No, okay, but it turns out I I that's not I haven't heard it was described as really that. true. It only it mostly happens in 90% of the cases in captivity. So it's not fair to really say that it sometimes it happens out of captivity. Female praying mantises will eat submissive males. Maybe you guys, Aaron, you might be familiar with being a submissive. See, <laughs> see my understanding was the female just bit its head off. I did not realize it like actually went and ate it afterwards. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I thought it just like killed it. No, it's it's right after. It's um, not really understood why. So there are a lot of similarities the- in actual praying mantis behavior and the behavior shown by these creatures. So really brief. Number one theory for what these are a really big praying mantis. <laughs> seven foot tall seven, praying mantis. Here's the uh, that would be a actually that would be a cryptid. It would, yeah. I mean, yes, yes. It's an undiscovered species. Here's the evidence for that. Firstly, it turns out that mantises are just an order of insects, and there are over 2,000 species. I'm not gonna lie. I thought there was just praying mantis. <laughs> that was the only mantis. And that was the only thing. That is very, why, very wrong. Frank, why would they, why wouldn't they just call it mantis then? If it's the only one, why wouldn't they just call it mantis? What? That's because a terrible praying, argument. So. No, that's the name because they all or pretty much every species has that classic pose. Okay, but that then implies that okay. there's multiple No, it does mantis. not. Okay, think of like okay, anything I'm that waiting. has more than one word. <laughs> oh, hamburger. Why do they just call them? No, that's one word. <laughs> that is oh, one word. Uh, hot dog. Yeah, hot dog. Why don't they just go around? Why do they call them dogs? Doesn't that imply there's more than one? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense, actually. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Mantises or mantids, there's actually a debate because they've reclassified what those terms mean. But as far as I can tell, mantids are a subcategory of mantises. But they're distributed worldwide, mostly in temperate and tropical habitats. And obviously, all the species have that classic triangular head, huge eyes, those long forelegs, great at catching and fetching their prey in that eponymous praying position. Anyone know what eponymous means, Nick? For the jury. I haven't gotten to that word yet. Eponymous means uh, the thing that Classic. gives itself, gives the thing its name. Oh. So eponymous praying position as in it's named after the praying position, praying mantis. Anyway. When threatened directly, most mantis species are known to stand tall, spread out their forelegs with their wings, fanning out wide. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. And as part of the bluffing, oh, look at me, I'm so big, don't mess with me. Some species emit a hissing sound by expelling air from their abdominal spiracles, which, as far as I could tell, is analogous to us burping through their breathing oh. holes, which are all along their, their, their skeleton, what whatever you call it. Like their, I don't want to say exoskeleton, I feel like that's not the exact terminology, but their, their body. They just have holes that they breathe out of. They could turn their head 180 degrees around. So kind of, you know, watch it, keeping an eye on him as it's running away and fading. Yep. Now, interestingly. Wait, front to back or like rotate? Like f- front. Hmm. That's a good question. Like, can it see behind it or I think can it impl- just like tilt its head completely upside down? Because one of those is a lot more terrifying. Oh my god, could you imagine oh it, like, it, its head going On that backwards? Axis? Wait, which axis are you talking about? No, no, no. I'm saying, so like, imagine your <laughs> head just rotates which, clockwise. What axis are you talking about? If you're looking at someone's head, like straight on, imagine their head just rotates. Which way? Left, right? No, like, oh my gosh. Imagine looking at a picture of a head and you rotate the picture. That's not straight enough information. On. Straight on, Frank. You're looking at someone's head right in the front. Look at Nick. No, not like that, Nick. <laughs> like turn your neck. Turn your neck like you're gonna crack it. Yeah, like that. But turn it would turn all the way around. So that his, his chin is where sense. his forehead is. 
Why would it be that? I don't know. Why? Why not? That's I was terrifying. Think, I was so he was thinking that Frank, you were probably thinking just like this way. No, like I was thinking this like way, an owl. Like forward and back, oh, like rotate. Their head. Okay, that's what that's what I was thinking. Backwards, which also doesn't make sense. That's impossible because it has to be on a point. So anyway, no. So I it snaps its neck. Yeah, right. It would snap its neck. Anyway, it could rotate to turn totally around. I believe. <laughs> Interestingly. <laughs> Most species are also ambush predators, meaning that they sit and wait to ambush and stun their prey, or they slowly stalk their prey. And this is opposed to, you know, obviously giving chase and pursuing prey. Like a wolf yeah, like, or a lion. Yeah, right. Like just out maneuvering them, right? So instead, they, they wait and ambush, somewhat similar to the stories we heard. Random fact. Some species can store their prey in their super long foregut to digest later, which is horrifying. You can be like swallowed alive. You just sit in like a and sack. You just sw- you're just sitting there waiting until he feels like digesting you. Terrible. Well, so that's what could happen to Joe. You're not swallowed whole. That's fair. Frank. That's fair. Like, I don't think this thing can open its gullet that way. Yeah, it mostly eats well, little insects. Seven anyway. feet tall. Yeah, the, the, the encountered mantis. Mantis men probably could swallow you all. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like their necks are probably still very thin. That's true. They have mandibles. What about like a child? They have mandibles like this. You know, like you think of in a yeah, terrible, like, horrifying sci-fi movie. Regardless. This, it was just the th- the thing. That's all they saw. Honestly. It was the thing. Honestly. Um, let me quick check time. Oh, wow. This is longer than I thought. Okay. <clears throat> Generally, they also protect themselves by camouflage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most species being cryptically colored to resemble foliage or other backgrounds, both to avoid predators and to better snare their prey. So you'll see a lot of different species that match the color of flowers that they stand on. Or, you know, obviously the classic one you think of is probably the, the green praying mantis that I think that's a European one, probably that matches leaves or, or such. They also kind of rock back and forth sometimes to mimic, it, we think, the movement of foliage, though it's not really known why they do that. Very creepy. But because of this, limber. Uh, you're probably just stretching, right? They get bored waiting for their prey all day. But because of this, I had no idea about this. Many early civilizations like the ancient Greeks, Egyptians, and Assyrians considered mantises to have supernatural powers. Oh. Isn't that a weird connection? Maybe the yeah. ancient New Jerseyans also they considered the mantises. <laughs> so, perhaps. Evidently, in some regions of Africa, the mantis is thought to bring good luck. But in other regions, it's considered a manifestation of a trickster deity. Kind of similar to what Aaron was saying about it trying to cause confusion and change how it looks. And the word mantis, or, or mantid at least itself, comes from the Greek word for diviner, or I think it's diviner, right? Diviner, diviner, as in someone who divines yeah. all the gods. And mantis comes from the mm-hmm. Greek word for soothsayer. I bet this is because they sway back and forth while they have their eyes locked on you. So it's kind of huh? mesmerizing yeah. if you're watching a praying yeah. mantis. The European binomial name, you know, scientific name for the European mantis is literally mantis religiosa. Which is funny. From the praying position. So a lot of similarities between actual praying mantis species behavior and these encounters. So I think there are a lot of possibilities there. Did these people make up these stories after reading the Wikipedia article? I don't know. If it's not a life, if it's not a life-size praying mantis, why is it share similarities? I have no idea. What do you guys make of that? Well, I think it's interesting that, uh, the ancient people seem to know something that we don't yet again. They know the mantis secrets. Um, but one thing that I'm still hung up on from, I think the first story you sent the picture of the mantis head, supposedly the yes. quote unquote mantis head. Um, the one thing that bothers me is the eyes aren't like 
protruding. They're just like in the face. Yeah, that's a good thing to call out. I'm not... So I'll have pictures of mantises, of course, in the show notes. So look at those. And I encourage you guys to... Actually, I'll do it right here. I will screen share so we can get a good idea of what a mantis head looks like. So yeah, praying mantis do have those eyes that are more on the sides of their triangular face protruding. Yeah. That picture I don't think is a perfect representation of what he saw. Oh yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, that that is a notable difference. Definitely. Yeah. Pretty much all of these species have those eyes. That almost looks like more alien like than insect like. I would agree with that. What the heck is this? But yeah, I think you know, something's fishy here because it's very similar to praying mantis. I don't know if maybe it's something trying to imitate a praying mantis. Like they saw this creature and they're like, yo, that's dope. And then became it. Or if it's actually just a really large praying mantis. But I think that both leave more questions than answers. Like, yes. I don't think there's a, a theory out there that would just satiate all my answers or all my questions. I think you're right. Yeah, it's it's pretty bizarre. When have we heard of a cryptid encounter that has so many similarities with an actual known species, but also has these weird features like the, the psychic aspect? And Bigfoot. Well, what does Bigfoot closely resemble? I guess in the... Yeah, I guess you're right. Like a monkey or an ape. Actually, you're right. I'm entirely wrong. (laughs) There's actually many examples. The Loch Ness Monster. What? Chupacabra. (laughs) I don't know if they have super... I don't know if they have like uh, psychic abilities though. You don't think Nessie has psychic abilities? No. Oh, I'm going to have to prove you wrong. So it's potential evidence for these creatures being real life praying mantises just supersized but there is the other angle which i'll have links in the show notes for if you want to go crazy and lose parts of your mind which i kind of don't encourage like (laughs) unironically i kind of don't encourage you click on the links i'm going to put but i'm going to put them there for you i will touch on them now to give you just a taste Praying mantis-headed aliens is a common trope in supposed alien abduction cases. Yep. It is somewhat common, and there are many famous stories, including one covered by the legendary Linda Moulton Howe. Oh! Yes. Can we put uh, Linda Moulton Wow in the uh, show notes or maybe <laughs> not? Maybe not. Am I supposed to know who this is? So Linda Moulton Howe is a well-known, uh, I guess I'd say paranormal researcher. Yeah, oh, very prolific. Very prolific from decades, for decades and decades that over time has covered kind of crazier and crazier stuff. Maybe a little too crazy. So when you hear her name. I believe she has sadly passed away though oh did she just pass away or is that the I, in, other unless, linda and let oh wait maybe it's uh the other one is it linda godfrey that passed away or rosemary ellen guiley okay no linda moan Howe is still alive 82 godfrey the beast of bray road yeah yeah linda godfrey just passed Okay, Linda, sorry, two di- two di- separate Lindas. My bad. Sorry, <laughs> Linda Moulton Howe, if you are listening to this. Sorry, I thought you were dead. Yeah, so Linda Moulton Howe. Linda Godfrey, if you're listening, give us a sign. <laughs> are you here? <laughs> I'm cutting this. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Linda Moulton Howe is uh, ufologist, advocate of conspiracy theories, including her investigative cow mutilations. That's most probably most famous. And extraterrestrials. Okay. But um, all I'll say about that is it's somewhat common to hear in stories that people are abducted 
they see the classic gray style aliens, little humanoids with those somewhat triangular heads, very spindly body and arms and everything. Totally emotionless, almost like worker robot. And some stories, they're overseen by huge mantis headed aliens. As if they are the ones we're generally called in control. the insectoids. Yes, people refer to them as insectoids. It sounds insane as I'm saying this. Don't click the links in the show notes. Please don't for your own good. <laughs> but it is believed that they are the ones who pull the strings of the alien greys. Who are the ones who abduct and perform experiments and invasive surgeries on abductees. Thoughts on that, Aaron? I mean, it's interesting because if you take a step back and think about it, aren't we abducting creatures and surgically examining them? So, are we really that surprised that something wants to examine us? Would you be surprised if people report in abductee encounters all the time that that's exactly what they're told by their abductors they aren't always told that sometimes they're told completely different things but sometimes they're told we're just yeah i gotta i gotta say i didn't come up with that i i was told it by my alien abductee (laughs) wait by your alien abductee or your alien abductor uh i gotta go (laughs) (laughs) wait aaron's an alien you're in the facetime call from your abductor he's like we got another appointment wrap it up <laughs> I'm outside. <laughs> you see a beam out your window. <laughs> like where you're at. I'm outside. Um, so yeah, that's the bizarre angle. And on that note, I'll leave you with a disturbing subreddit, r slash mantis encounters. The other place Ooh. that people encounter these sorts of mantis beings is after taking copious amounts of psychedelic substances. Ah, now I also classic. classic. I skimmed a few of these posts, and pretty much every single one follows the flow of I took insane amounts of drugs, I literally went blind, I found myself in the presence of an incomprehensibly ancient mantis man in a robe who spoke telepathically to me, Uh and sometimes they start getting visited by real mantises in real life after the encounter, they claim. Like okay. life size real no, no, mantises? Like real life real life size bug. mantises. So like like an inch. Yes, like long. they will fly into their house and land on their hands and stuff, and they'll be like, oh, whoa man. That's crazy. <laughs> no machine elves this time. It's it's incomprehensibly ancient yes. mantis men in robes. And to give you a taste of how insane this gets and how I really don't recommend you look into this. There's the concept of alien-human hybrids. People get abducted and they get their, let's say, life essence taken from them to produce alien babies. Wink, wink. wink. And the mantis men overwatch this and control the program. And so here's a post title on, on the subreddit. Why make hybrids? Are they trying to replace us? Do we hold some special genetic information? Is it just for genetic diversity? How many groups are there? Are they tricksters? These people are really dependent. Oh my god, yeah, these are really detailed posts. These are disturbing. I'm actually like getting uncomfortable looking at these pictures. I'm gonna post some of these in the in the show notes for examples of what people experience. But as it turns out, this is something that's I don't want to say common because your everyday person's not going to experience it, but there are communities of people that claim to have encounters with mantis beings through meditation, astral projection, you name it, psychedelics, dreams, and in the most uncomfortable scenarios, supposed alien abductions. So I'll leave it there. Any closing thoughts? Just saying. Great episode. Probably correlation that it was about New Jersey. So, <laughs> good point. 
I think, you know, with the last little thing that you mentioned, it's our first time bringing up, you know, the program as, uh, what's his name that wrote that book? Uh, you might be thinking of a bunch of different people. Well, I, Whitley Strieber? Uh, yes. Whitley Strieber's communion. Ooh, yeah. Right? That's creepy. I think that's where the general idea of, you know, the program comes from and the all classic these classic alien abduction book. Yeah. From what was it? It was like the nineties or seventies or eighties. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So part of this touches on how funny praying mantis man. And then there's the uncomfortable aspects of like, what if it's not just some made up story? What, like, what if it is something way more sinister than that? <laughs> what a happy note to end on. So <laughs> that's all for tonight's show. <laughs> Remember to leave us a review. You know where. You can find episodes right up and links, which I don't recommend you click through. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next, next Wednesday, 9 p.m. And remember, stay inside tonight, or uh, just like our buddy Joe, praying mantis man might make you ruin your pants. Good night.